I'm a proponent, and you see this throughout the book, of this laser-focused approach of finding a job that matters to you. Even in a pandemic, even in this unemployment, if not now, when? Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello and welcome to Status Go. I'm Alicia Gaba, Vice President of Marketing here at InterVision, and I'm here for Jeff Tun, who typically hosts Status Go, as you all know, but he's also InterVision's CIO advisor and is an author of two books. One of those books is why we're here today and is going to be the basis for our conversation. So thanks for joining me today, Jeff. I'm very excited to be here, Alicia. Good. So um, today we're going to talk about your newest book, Amplify Your Job Search. And I, I read this book. I am not looking for a job, but I can tell you if I was, I feel very ready. <laughs> so thanks for that, Jeff. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I wanted to start off with pulling a little bit of a quote out of the beginning of the book, the foreword. Mm -hmm. and and get your reaction to that because I have a feeling and based on our conversations it has a lot to do with why you wrote the book now yes um so Phil Rosenberg who's the president of Recareered and is very widely known on LinkedIn um he was he was quoted in the beginning and what he was talking about was just this concept of a lot of the direction on job searching that's out there today and, and what he says is really bad direction, which is conducting a job search based on random applications, volume, and some luck. And he says that's not even a great strategy during good job markets. In a recession, it's a strategy for losing your house. Yeah. So I'd love for you to just reflect on that concept and, and what it you know, what that means to you and, and how that maybe has a relationship to why you wrote this book now. I think that's exactly right. And when Phil and I spoke and he, he used that phrase, even in our conversation, it really struck home to me because I've worked with hundreds of professionals over the last 10 or 15 years, helping them uh, when they're in a job transition. And time and time again, what I find is we don't know how. We don't know how to even approach a methodology for finding a, a new job. And so we're somewhat lost. I know back, uh, I, I tell some of the stories in the book, back when I was in a job search and had a very small network, didn't really know how to go about doing it. So this was this was not the book that I was writing in 2020. I had actually started to write a different book the first part of this year. And I got to the first couple of weeks of March and really started to see the news about COVID and the pandemic. And, and then we started to hear about reductions in force, the NCAA canceling their tournament, Major League Baseball going on hiatus, the NBA going on hiatus, and then companies started to uh, do furloughs and reduction in force. And it was like, oh my gosh, there is going to be so much unemployment 
throughout the country throughout the world that people are going to need a plan so i I literally, I went back and looked the other day. The first words I wrote on this book was on March 16th. Uh, and so I literally sat down and, and cranked this out just because I believe so strongly that everyone needs a plan, needs a framework to follow in this, what is going to, what is a disastrous job market. And most of our listeners are IT leaders, IT Mm -hmm. practitioners. And I think, you know, in the past years, the unemployment rate has been really very low for IT. And, you know, and and even when we talked, what, what you're seeing in the conversations you're having, and the reality is, is that's not the case right now, which is why I think it's just great timing for us to have you here on status go and and really talk about this in the context of that IT leader that IT practitioner um, because there are very likely some folks who are doing this for the potentially the first time where they're just out there and they're looking yeah i think uh, before 2020 the unemployment rate in in the tech space counting including corporate it was near zero and so it was definitely a quote unquote seller's market, right? If you were a talented person in technology, you could go find a job in moments. Um, and now I, I think I've seen numbers that in tech, it's around somewhere between three and a half and 4%, which isn't as bad as some parts of the economy, but that's still is a lot of people uh, on the street competing for those jobs. And so tech professionals are going to have to learn some of the strategies that I talk about in the book to set themselves apart from the competition as they're trying to find uh, their next their next gig. And I think you know that really well, right? In the book, you talk about being in that place where you realize I've got to go conduct this search and gosh, my network is just not where I need it to be to, to get this job done of, of yeah. finding that new job. And, um, you know, you, you talked about that and how difficult it was for you being a bit more of an introvert network, uh-huh. not really being the thing you want to do, but you wrote, After that experience, I promised myself two things. One, I would never let my network grow cold again. I had thought, why do I need to network? I'm in my dream job. I'm going to work here until I retire. Two, whenever anyone would ask me for guidance and insight, my answer would be, yes, let's do coffee. I can meet you Tuesday. 7.30, Starbucks, right? So you you went through this yourself where you had to, you had to go out and go through this process and, um, and made some, it sounds like had some good life lessons that made an impact on you in the way that you approach networking. But there's absolutely people who are in those shoes right now. Yes. You know, I look back and probably that experience is what shaped, I'll call it the second half of my career, uh, building that powerful network of peers within tech, but also a lot of people that were in other industries other than tech. At the time of that search, I think I had 20 connections on LinkedIn. And the, the other aspect that was going on at the time of that particular story is I'd never had, I've never conducted a job search 
in the age of social media. So I didn't know how to even leverage the tools to really effectively do a job search. And at that time, I think, and I'll probably get the statistic a little bit wrong, but roughly 43, 44%, something like that, of all jobs were found with some attribution to your professional network, some warm introduction, a recommendation through your network. Today, that number is 87%. And I was talking with somebody this morning that quoted a statistic that they had read that it's over 90% of jobs are found through your network. So it is, it's the, it's the linchpin, it's the keystone, whatever uh, allegory you want to use, that's the way to get the job. And stereotypically, you know, IT people are not really big networkers. We're, we're kind of introverted. I put myself in that category as well. And the idea of sitting down with someone for a cup of coffee or an hour Zoom meeting in today's world, a virtual coffee is daunting to say the least. So I dedicate an entire chapter in the book of tips for networking and how to how to go about doing it so that it's not as daunting and scary. Yeah, I, uh, you know, there is the old adage of it's not what you know, but who you know. And uh, I think there's a, a line in a rap song about your net worth being your network. Um, yeah. and, and it really is true. Everybody knows a guy or knows a gal. It makes it even harder in times like today if you don't know someone. Recruiters are just getting piled on these days. So so let's unpack because I I do think um, for our listeners, this concept of networking and how do you approach it, it's, it's just so critical if you've not had to flex those muscles before. But I know that for you, what you advocate to people is that you look inward first and then you go out and you have these conversations and you have an iterative process of having conversations and reflecting. So I'd love for you to walk through what what should that process really look like for someone who's new to this? Well, the, the framework that I lay out begins at exactly the way you say it's with introspection. And uh, so there's a there's a basis throughout the book about journaling, and that may be a new concept to a lot of people to to write a journal. It's not as hard as it sounds, and I will say that journaling has a, a long history of world leaders, business leaders, uh, leaders of all kinds writing journals. It's a great tool for reflecting on what's going on around you, reminding you of details. And and so we start the book with that concept of writing in a journal and using that to keep track of the journey that you're on. And so you spend a lot of time at the beginning of the book with reflection about, you may may have just uh, been a victim, so to speak, of a reduction in force. And you might be a little bit bitter uh, about it. So spending some time thinking through that is going to help, one, because it helps you process the grief of the loss. And two, you kind of get that out of your system before you start interviewing. So it starts with that and immediately shifts into developing your personal brand uh, because you're in sales. Uh, You're in sales and marketing and the product you're selling is you. And so you have to have a really good understanding of that product. Spend some time with your strengths, 
with your values, with your passions and your purpose and develop that personal brand. And then the other piece before you really get going on your search is to spend some time thinking about your accomplishments. And there's a couple of reasons that I suggest this at the very beginning. One is, again, you may be feeling a little bit hurt, a little bit damaged uh, because you've you've been let go. You're in transition for whatever reason. And spending some time thinking about what you have accomplished in your career, even if you're relatively new in your career, what have you accomplished? It can help you build that confidence that you're going to need as you go out and start talking to people about opportunities, about uh, specific roles and positions. It gives you that ability to kind of think through. Plus, it lays the foundation for what will become your resume, which we get to later in the book. So you start out there with that personal brand, with reviewing your accomplishments, and then it really turns into networking. And one of the things that's a real trick, in my opinion, uh, to networking is to remember one thing. It's not about you. You're not going on these networking, whether you're doing face-to-face networking or whether you're doing a, a Zoom call or a WebEx call to meet with someone, you're not going to those to ask them for a job. You're going to ask them about their story because what you're trying to do is learn. You're trying to learn about their position. You're trying to learn about their industry. You're trying to learn their story. And by that, you're going to identify opportunities and roles that you don't even know exist yet. Plus, it makes it a lot easier when you're talking about someone else than trying to talk about yourself. Of course, you're going to be talking about yourself somewhat, but the majority of your conversation should be listening to the other person. And again, that makes it easier to go into a networking situation if you feel like you're not going to have to do all the talking. So that lays the foundation there at the beginning of the book, Alicia, those, those three key things. So I think if you, if you follow this process of, I'm going to, I'm going to look inward, I'm going to think through what have I enjoyed doing? What have my accomplishments been? And then start this networking process mm-hmm. and and you talk about let's start this networking process with the goal of securing your dream job yeah. yeah i would love to talk about that concept because the reality is is we're we are in the middle of a pandemic for our listeners who are listening to this because they've been impacted by it that could seem like a crazy thing. Like mm-hmm. you, okay, so great advice, but do you do you really think I'm gonna find the job, the dream job right now? So so what are what's your opinion on that? Well, to be perfectly honest, I I really struggled at at the beginning of writing this book about calling it the dream job. You know, it might have been finding your next gig or or something like that. But I'm a proponent, and you see this throughout the book of this laser focused approach of finding a job that matters to you. And I think even in a pandemic, even in this unemployment, if not now, when, when are you going to try to find that job that aligns with your personal brand? So it aligns with your strengths, your values, your passions, and your purpose, a job where you and your 
your boss see eye to eye and you get along well in a job in which you feel valued by the organization itself and you feel a part of that and you believe in the mission. To me, that's the definition of a dream job and they exist, but you have to know how to look for them. And you have, first of all, you have to know what is your definition, what makes up a dream job? What are your values? What are your passions? Uh, what things do you want to look for in a company? What things do you want to look for in a boss? If you don't know what you're looking for, you're never going to find it. Either that or it's going to be like a needle in a haystack to be able to locate it. But the, the other thing about the dream job concept, if you will, is that the dream job doesn't mean it's your last job. I've had three or four dream jobs. Uh, your dreams change your circumstances change, your company changes. So you may be using these techniques, these strategies and these frameworks several times in your career. That's okay. But wouldn't it be great to spend, you know, we roughly spend a, a third or more of our life at work. Wouldn't it be great to enjoy it? That's, that to me is what it's about, is finding that job that just sets your heart on fire. And Jeff, I'd, I'd love to hear from you because I think making some of this stuff real is helpful to the listeners. What has that, you've been through this a couple of times, right? Mm -hmm. What has that looked like for you? How did you go through this process of these are, these are the things that are mission critical in my dream yeah. job versus nice to haves. And then like you said, you're going to network, you're going to find out about roles or things that maybe you didn't know. So how did you in practice bring that together? Well, it starts with after you've laid this foundation of you've developed your personal brand and you've done your accomplish, you've looked at your accomplishments and, and things. Part of the strategy is then to create three top 10 lists. I, I make a joke in the book about Letterman's top 10 lists, only not nearly as funny. Uh, it's the top 10 things you're looking for in your next role, the top 10 things you're looking for in your next boss, and the top 10 things you're looking for in your next company. And that could be, that could be everything from, um, gosh, I remember when I was making my list uh, for what ended up being one of my dream jobs was, uh, I wanted the company to be to have more than 250 employees and less than 3,000 and located in central Indiana. Now, it was a longer list than that, but those were kind of the three things that, that I call out. And there was logic behind it. I was looking for a CIO, a chief information officer role, and I personally was a strategic thinking CIO. In other words, I was not a hands-on technician by that point in my career. And so if you had a company that was smaller than 250 employees, you really didn't need a strategic thinking CIO. You needed someone who could uh, be more of a doer than I could be. The other side of that same coin was greater than 3000 employees. I had worked for a mega corporation before. While I learned a lot, I did not want to get back into that size of organization again. And then the, the central Indiana was I didn't want to relocate. So you, you define that list, those three lists, and then you force rank them. And that does a couple of things for you. It helps you define exactly what is important for you uh, as you're looking for those things. It then becomes your search criteria. 
those are the types of keywords that you're searching for, whether you're doing uh, internet searches or uh, I talk about in the book, uh, a database of companies that you can get access to, the Mergent Intellect that has, I don't know, millions of, of company listings in it, that you can use those things as criteria to search and identify companies that you probably drive by every day and you never see because you're just on your commute and you're not seeing the sign or they they may not even have a sign on the building front. So, so you're driving by them and don't even know they exist. And so that's how you begin to identify your target market. There, there's a whole chapter in, in the book dedicated to identifying your target market for your job search. Because as I said, you're in marketing and sales and your product is you and any basic marketing class will begin to teach you how to identify your target market. And so I walk you through that process after you have your top 10 list of how do you, how do you identify the exact companies that are in your, uh, your target market? The other part of your question was about as you're having these conversations and networking, you're going to identify threads to pull on. And one of my favorite stories from my own experience was, um, you know, I was looking at the time, I was looking in healthcare, social services, those types of organizations, because uh, I really wanted to work for a company that had a social or environmental conscious. So that was one of my, one of my top 10 criteria. So I was looking in healthcare, as you might guess, uh, from just that, that lead up. And so I reached out to the CIO of a hospital here locally to connect. I basically wanted her job but I reached out to her because I wanted to learn what a day in the life of a CIO was like for a hospital. So she agreed to talk to me. So we ended up having this great conversation. And at one point she says to me, she says, Jeff, you know, no hospital is going to hire you. You don't have healthcare in your background. They're not going to want to take that risk, but I've got a couple of ideas for you. And so she gave me these couple of ideas that were threads to then pull on. So I had this target market list of, of organizations. I had it paired down to about 200 companies. But when she gave me those threads, I was able to add four or five or six new companies that I hadn't even considered to my list, yet they still met the criteria of what I was trying to find. The other aspect of having that criteria is Believe it or not, it may, be, it, it may not seem possible to you right now, especially if you're sitting there in your in-between jobs, you're in transition, you will probably get multiple offers at some point. Having that top 10 list gives you the ability to weigh one offer against the next. Yes, there's things like salary and benefits and things like that, but what if you had one offer from a company that checked off the top five things on your company top 10 list and an offer from another company that checked off the bottom five things. I'd probably lean towards the top five. That seems like, you know, my number one through five ideas were, were part of that offer. So it helps you in that regard too. Yeah. And you know, it's funny as you were talking about um, creating these lists and, and you use the vernacular, I, I head up marketing. And so the first thing I'm thinking is what's the target market? And then how do you go kind of attack that? And so the next thing, because, you know, this is my marketing mind, you've got a target market. 
how do you break in? And, and I want to ask you that now in terms of, okay, so I'm, I'm on the hunt for my next CIO gig. Uh-huh. I've got these companies and maybe I'm zeroed in on my top 10 and yeah. I've got no connections in the world with them. What advice do you have? <laughs> um, that's when you sharpen your networking game and LinkedIn is an incredible tool. And that that scenario I actually do talk about in the book is what if I'm not connected to anybody? Um, reach out randomly on LinkedIn, try to find somebody on LinkedIn from that organization that will connect with you. After you've exhausted your second degree connections, I mean, that's kind of the first thing, right, is uh, I may not be connected to anybody at XYZ company, but I know somebody that is, so you ask for the introduction. But if you're failing that, reach out. The hospital example that I was sharing earlier, I was not connected to anybody at that particular hospital. I just reached out to the person that had the job that I wanted. And that's a great strategy for learning about the industry, learning about uh, a day in the life of that role in that industry. But it's also a great way to make connections at those organizations. People love to talk about their jobs. Reach out to them and, and, you know, in your connection request, if you're using LinkedIn, put in there that you want to talk to them about what it's like to work at, at XYZ company a lot of people will say, yes, let's, let's do a virtual coffee and, and talk to you about that. And so you start to build your network in that way. Yeah. I think it's hard to say no to someone who, who reaches out and, and as a job seeker, you want to ask, you know, you want to find out, is there a job? Is there something here? But but that is a, a really uncomfortable place to start. Yes. So I, I love your advice around make the conversation about them and, and you're really just trying to learn. Now, yeah. right now, what's your advice? Does that look like a virtual coffee? What does that look like? Um, I think it depends on two things. One is your own comfort level. Are you ready for face-to-face coffee meetings in your location, uh, is that even a viable possibility? But it's also up to the other person. And I think it's important to offer virtual to the other person so they don't have to ask. If they're comfortable with a face-to-face, let them suggest it. But I'd offer to do a, a Zoom call or a WebEx call first, just so you the last thing you want to do is make a a new connection uncomfortable and you don't want them to have to say, Oh no, I'm not doing face to face yet. So just Mm -hmm. assume that they're not and go virtual. If you find out that they are open to face to face and you are as well, all the better. And any other advice you've got for folks? Um, And I think especially those who were maybe in your seat before where even the thought of networking, (laughs) your hands sweat. Yeah. And, and I think there's uh, strategies to get, as I mentioned earlier, getting them talking about themselves. Um, when we get back to where we're doing face-to-face events and networking events, there's some strategies and techniques that you can use uh, in a group event. We all hate going to those networking events, or, or many of us do. You know, one of the things I suggest uh, in the book is when you're at one of those events and you're feeling uncomfortable, 
look around for another wallflower. There's somebody else there that's uh, nervous too and approach them. I, I made, I made an incredibly good friend that way. I, I was at an event and was feeling very uncomfortable, very out of place, didn't really know anybody else in the room. And so I was the wallflower and, and somebody walked up to me and this was gosh, probably seven years ago. Uh, and we still stay in touch seven years later because he dared to walk up to me at a reception. So be that person, be that person that smiles and walks up to someone, shakes their hand and ask their story. Well, maybe not shake their hand in this day and age, but, but ask their story, ask them why they're there and get the conversation going. Uh, I think as I think about the book and uh, there's a set of tools that I describe in the book. I, I call them amplifiers because I learned from my favorite VP of marketing that you always have to be on brand. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so to keep with my Amplify brand, uh, I call them amplifiers. And, and one of them is the network amplifier. And it's a, it's a tool that you can use to help build a strong and diverse network and highly recommend those strategies to anybody, whether you're a network expert or you're one of those that are nervous about talking with other people. So we talked a lot about the things you should do in terms of how to, how to do some introspection, how to think about what the types of companies you're gonna target, getting over the nervous Nellies in networking, what are your top don'ts? Oh, wow. Uh, top, top don'ts are uh, don't just blast out a generic resume. Um, that is not going to be an effective use of your time. Can you, can you land a job that way? Yeah, chances are it's not going to be one that, that satisfies your top 10 criteria. Uh, and you're in a pile of resumes with a thousand other people when you're taking that approach. So that's probably the number one thing is just don't blast out your resume. Number two is don't go into this without a, a plan, uh, without a framework to follow. I think that is so key uh, in this environment, as we talked about at the opening, going into this without a plan is disastrous. And so I urge you not to do that. And I guess the other thing that I would say is in the top threes of, of don'ts is don't go into conversations asking for a job. Uh, first of all, it's uncomfortable for you. It's probably uncomfortable for the other person and the likelihood that uh, they're going to say, oh yeah, I've got a job and it's a perfect fit is is pretty slim so use networking to build that power base and and the other thing that i will say about using the techniques to build this network is it will pay you back a thousand fold you will have access to hundreds of people if not thousands of people and being able to reach out to them to ask questions to uh, ask advice to share advice throughout your career just makes you a much more well-rounded professional. And it, uh, it it has paid incredible dividends for me personally. Well, you are now the networker of all networkers, in my opinion. 
<laughs> I think you uh, you you took that life lesson you learned about not having the network you wanted in place, and you you solved for that a thousandfold. So you know, for our listeners, yeah. no, you do not need to turn into a deaf ton to be successful at this, but anywhere in between where you're. Where you're at, where you don't want to be, and Jeff Tun network status, you're good. Um, so the other thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, Jeff, is really just the, the kind of the mental, emotional side of this whole process. Because we spend a lot of time talking about the, the things and the tactics and go do. And the reality is, is that when you're going through what is actually a trauma there's a lot of mental, emotional stuff involved in that. And so what advice do you have for someone who's, who's trying to go do, but is also dealing with the, the mental, emotional side of whether it's job loss or, you know, maybe they still have the job, but they're on the search because of its impact on their mental and emotional state. Yeah. That is such an important point, uh, Alicia, because again, whether you're in a search or you're, you're in a position that maybe is not the most ideal position, you're, you're under stress. And I, I love the word that you used trauma. And I think that the number one thing is to acknowledge that you have undergone a trauma. You're, you may be still in the midst of going through that trauma. And there's a wide variety of research out there that talks about stress and how stress continues to build on itself and leads to to bigger and bigger issues if it's not addressed. And so I think you have to take the time to address it. And one of the one of the great ways we've been talking about networking, one of the five key elements to dealing with stress is that feeling of connectedness to other people. So your network, your family, your friends, uh, talk to them about your feelings. It's it's okay. Uh, I'll speak to the guys out there. We don't always like to, uh, again, stereotype. We don't like to talk about our feelings, but we're going through something and it, we need to talk to people about what it is that has happened to us and work our way through that. So I would advise number one is talk to people. Acknowledge that, you, that you've got the trauma, but talk to people about it. Yeah. And I think just knowing that there's going to be good days and bad days, there's going to be ups and downs yeah. along the way. It, it really is going to be a journey. I, I talk about this like I'm an expert. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm a partial because I read your book, I feel like. I um, have spent very little time in my life um, on a job search. And so this would be, for me, a huge blind spot. So I just, I, yeah. I love having these conversations and and learning more about this. And, and no, I'm not in IT like most of our listeners, but I certainly hope that if any of them are faced with this situation or could be in the future, that they've learned a lot from this. So I uh, really appreciate the time, Jeff. But before we, before we close out, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share any final thoughts. And then especially what is one action of advice you would give for our listeners? So to close it out, I, I think the, the other thing in speaking with the trauma that's going on and the good days and the bad days is one of the advantages of having a framework is 
you get that feeling of forward momentum rather than sending out thousands of resumes and not hearing back mm -hmm. from anybody. Ticking things off your list gives you that feeling of accomplishment. Uh, I think to close that thought, that's another reason for having a plan. And, and I'd say my advice to our listeners, if you're in transition or you're wanting to be in transition because you're not in an ideal spot for you, have a plan. Yes, I believe wholeheartedly in the plan that I've outlined in, in the book, but even if it's not that plan, have a plan for how you approach that search. Talk to people that can give you guidance and insights into how to approach this. Just don't go into it blindly. Now, one of the things, and I, I think we're going to put this in the show notes, if you go to the show notes, there's going to be a link where you can download one of the tools from the book. And I, I talked about the personal brand amplifier, and that's really the start of how you begin to understand who you are and what type of job will be your dream job or the job. And so you can download that for free from the link and it will give you a, a nice discount on a copy of the book should you choose to obtain a copy of the book. So thank you guys very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Obviously, I'm I'm passionate about helping people in this. It's one of the reasons I do all the networking that you mentioned is because I want to make those connections for people. Well, awesome. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Like Jeff said, go check out intervision.com. Um, go to the resources section. You'll find the podcast and this episode and the show notes. So signing off. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.